0: welcome this morning. I hope this morning has been just a refreshing time that you've been worshiping alongside us, lifting up our voices to our God and King. If this is your first time being here today, thank you so much for coming along and worshiping with us today. Nate Richardson, the Director of Worship, does an amazing work to put these songs together and hymns each week. And he does so much work, so I just wanted to recognize him, this, recognize him this morning for doing that. And just an amazing family that the Lord has blessed us with, with him and Natalie and his three children, Eden and Layla and Faith. It is so awesome to be able to work alongside another amazing family. My name is Nathan Palmiteer, and I am the Director of NextGen here at Bethel. And with our, lead pastor, with our lead pastor, Alan's absence, I've been gifted with the opportunity to be able to bring God's word to you this morning. And I'm just gonna thank Alan and the elders for just allowing this precious moment for us to share in God's word to get today together. As I stand here, I think back to how often that I actually reflect on the greatness of God and how often I reflect on all that he's done for me and for my family and for my community and for our country and for our world often I find myself looking to what God can do for me that will help me to change. And maybe some of you sitting here are thinking just that. You have had these moments in your life where something terrible has happened or you need some kind of change in your life and you look to God for that change. You waited for a few months and nothing has changed. You waited for a few days, still nothing. Nothing. So now you've concluded, well, there must not be a God, or if there is a God, He just doesn't care about me. You know, I've been there, that self-focused, not noticing things around me that are still happening directly in front of my eyes. Still asking God, why haven't you done what you said you were going to do? It's right there. You promised, God. But then I'm coming to a realization where I need to ask myself, is my response in this moment me focusing on God? Or what I think God should be doing in this moment? You see, we pray and we ask for His will to be done. But actually, we already have this preconceived notion of how that will play out. And when that preconceived idea just doesn't happen, when we don't get, what we want, we think, well, we're not getting what we wanted and we focus on us instead of God. And ultimately, when I look back, and if you look back, overall, we either have not responded or we're just blind to the things the Lord is doing in our midst. And because of that, we don't see His glory and we don't have any sort of awe for what the Lord is doing. And in the end, we come into church and we don't respond in worship. It's just another Sunday. It's just another song. It's just another sermon. Now, don't get this confused with, you must do something to elicit God's grace. But on the contrary, we ought to have our eyes opened to who he is and what he's done. God doesn't need us to do something for him to be who he is. If that was the case, well, then God wouldn't be God and he would be more like a genie and we would be the ones commanding him, which essentially would make us God, which is full on heresy. So no, that's not what I'm saying. As we walk through this Psalm, Psalm 65, we will see that the psalmist is writing about who our God is. Our God is on display through Psalm 65. And all we can do at the end of it is respond with praise, with awe, and with worship. And see it with our eyes wide open. If you have a Bible with you right now, open it up to Psalm 65 and bow our heads and we're going to pray. God, we come to you today with thanksgiving. We offer thanks for all that you've done in our midst. From the prayers that you've answered to the lives you've rescued us from and the hope that you give so freely. Lord, we come to you today being awestruck by who you are, how you formed the universe, yet you still want a relationship with your people who are much smaller than this massive galaxy. We respond today with praise, Lord, for all the work you're doing and continue to do in us, through us, and within the world we occupy this side of heaven. Let us see today, Lord, who you truly are. Open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to the living God. Amen. So if you haven't already, make sure to get out your Bible and we're going to open it up to Psalm 65. All right, you there yet? Okay, let's go. Psalm 65. Praise awaits you, O God in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all the people will come. When we are overwhelmed by sin, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas and the roaring of their waves and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at the wonders when morning dawns, when evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and you water it, you enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. As we read through this psalm, the psalmist has one key emphasis. And throughout the psalm, sometimes the psalmist is crying out to God and lamenting. Why am I here and what is going on? Sometimes it's focused on what the enemies of God have done and are doing and how God will triumph over them. And there are times it's focused on the psalmist situation, how they're handling it, and what they're doing in their life at that point in time. In this psalm, the emphasis is on God, the living God. When we read through this, we see that Psalm 65 is a tribute to who God is and reveals and even requires a response of thanksgiving because of the hope He has brought. A response of awe for the power He has and worship for the provision He has given. Overall, our overflowing response to God should always be praise and worship. Not because he forces us to, but because the more we know him and realize what he has done and the more we understand, the more we praise him. My first point in today's message is we respond with thanksgiving because God is worthy of praise. In verse 2, it says, you who answer prayer, to you all people will come. First off, our God answers prayers. And in this, we can see further on in the psalm that he points out all the different ways that God answers prayers. One commentator says, this is filled with David's thanksgiving for three things, forgiveness, hope, and provision. If you are in need of forgiveness, the promise is when we are overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. If you are concerned about a loved one, friends or others in far off lands, remember you give hope to people everywhere on earth. And if you have some shelves in your pantry that are lacking food, remember the promise that whenever your footsteps touch the earth, a rich harvest is gathered. We cannot be too frequent in our prayer requests. God is available 24-7 to supply our needs. Here at Bethel, we believe in the power of prayer. And each time we hear God answers prayer, don't go to that one time that you prayed for a BMX bike and you just didn't get it. That seems to be our default focus on the things. When we hear prayer, we focus on the things we did not receive. But we ought to see with our eyes wide open where God has answered prayer, and out of that, praise him for that answered prayer. I have a friend named Shane, and here's a picture of Shane and his wife. And me and Shane have very similar, uh, we just carry ourselves similarly. We're kind of, we joke around and all that kind of stuff. And recently in 2021, Shane got really sick. Uh, everything was going fine for his family. They all ended up getting that word that we don't want to speak of, COVID. <laughs> and he ended up getting a secondary infection and went to the hospital. But while Shane was in the hospital, he actually spent two months away from his family and he couldn't see his family. His family couldn't visit all because of the rules and all those kinds of things. But that's not really the key of this story. The key of the story is that Shane's body started to fail. And Shane developed uh, pneumonia. His lungs started to fail. And then his kidneys started to fail. And then he got a blood infection that no antibiotic would touch. They called it, like, this superbug. And when the doctors were talking to Shane, they said, you know, this is, like, this is, like, the cocktail for death. Like, this is, like, this is bad news. So one evening... My friend Josh Hunter that we went to church with in uh, Niagara uh, just messaged me on Facebook and was like, hey, Nate, we're gathering together and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for Shane. Can Can you show up? It's in 30 minutes. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we show up for a prayer meeting online over Zoom and 75 people were there. And the amount of people, that doesn't matter. What happened that evening was so powerful. People were crying out. It wasn't just, God, please, please heal Shane, which absolutely, those prayers are fine. But it was people pleading with their Lord, their God, and their King, pleading for Shane, for his family, for his kids, for his daughters, It was extremely emotional and extremely powerful. Well, Shane ended up coming out of the hospital. There's a picture here, Shane and his family sitting on their couch. And I went to visit him and he he could hardly walk and still tons of struggles, but they continued to pray. And then just recently, Shane went with his family golfing. And he did have a tagline that, hey, by the way, I won. But this is the power of prayer. This is the power of prayer. Does that mean that God's going to answer every prayer that we send up the way we want it to be answered? No. The best case scenario for Shane would be that he just miraculously healed immediately, went home, was fine, and was golfing the next day. But that's not what happened. God was shaping him. We respond with thanksgiving, because God is worthy of praise. If we don't look to the areas in our life or reminders of when God has answered prayer, we're not gonna respond with praise. But when we see how amazing God is and the way in which he has answered prayer, it almost demands a response from us. When you see that loved one being healed, When you see that person that you've been praying for for so long come to Christ, it demands a response of praise and worship and thanksgiving. Our souls cry out and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And we show up on Sunday with our hearts ready to worship and our minds focused on God. And we come here with our all just laying it out. But if we're not there, how do we get there? And maybe you've had a very difficult life and you feel like nothing good has ever come. And maybe you've been doing this a long time, this church thing. And you've had a hard time seeing God answering any prayers in your life. I want to give you guys a good practical way to put this into action. Pick up a journal. And no, journals are not just for 13-year-old girls to, you know, write down who their next crush is, although I guess they could be used for that. And not only so you can pray for others and not forget about it, because if you're, like, close to my age, you will forget about things, and my wife can attest to that and my kids. Journaling is an amazing way to see what God has done and to see what God can do you can go back to your journal and see, oh yeah, I prayed for Susan back in February. I prayed for this person. I was recently able to even do this with my own journal. And there's a girl that comes to our church. Her name's Alyssa Giles. And when I first came to Bethel, she was in the hospital with cancer. And I was able to recently go back to that journal entry and then come to Alyssa and Angie and say, you know what, I went back to my journal entry and that was such a blessing for them. They were like, oh my goodness, that is so cool. It's so cool to have those memories, but also to give God glory and praise him for that. Shane's story, Alyssa's story is just a small snippet of what God is doing around us. We can respond in thanksgiving also because of how Jesus saves. Look at verse three to five. When we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds. God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas. Our God has rescued us from ourselves and is the one hope that we need. The psalmist writes, when we were overwhelmed by sin, you forgave. First, I want to clarify who the we is in this. That's you. That's me. That's everyone in the whole world. And what burden were we actually saved from? Well, in Romans, it says, don't you know that you are slaves to anyone you obey? You could be slaves to sin and die, or you can be obedient slaves to God and be acceptable to him. Our burden is that sin that's in our lives, the sin that we inherited from Adam, the sin that can chain us and rule us, that sexual sin in our lives, that constant desire for pleasure, that physical sin in our lives, that anger that wells up in us over and over again, those sinful thoughts we all have, that envy for the way your friend is living, that pride that wells up in you. But further in Romans, it speaks to that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That is everyone All, if you go back to the original Greek, actually means all, everyone. And in the CEV, it says, God sent Christ to be our sacrifice. Christ offered his life blood, so by faith in Christ, we can come to God. And God did this to show that he was right to be patient and forgive sinners. Our God has rescued us from ourselves and he is the one hope we need this is akin to you having just one giant massive debt that you just can't pay and you're just struggling to pay every paycheck you're just trying to pay it trying to pay it and you can't this is like Jesus coming in and just paying that debt in full but it's eternal it's a lot different from like a financial debt. If we choose to continue to be slaves to our sin, there's eternal consequences. But listen, loved ones, this isn't what we should notice here. We ought to notice, we ought to note it absolutely. But if you are not in Christ and you do not follow the living God and have not made a decision, you know he's offering that to you right now right? The gift of freedom, the gift of relationship with him for eternity. Choose to follow him. He's prompting you right now in this moment. Don't turn away. Don't say, maybe next time I'll make that decision. Make that decision today. And when you make that decision, a huge weight will be lifted. Jesus says, but to all who believed him, And accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. And Jesus also said in John 3, 3 in the NIV, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. In the NLT it says, I assure you, unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. Loved ones, there's only one way to eternal life. There's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus. All other ways lead to death and destruction. The psalmist is telling us, the Holy Spirit has inspired the psalmist to remind us that we are burdened by sin. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. But the story doesn't end there. God came to rescue us, to save us from ourselves so that we can live the life to the fullest and have joy. We are filled with the good things of your house and are filled with hope, not despair, filled with joy, not suffering, encouraged, not burdened. The hope of all the ends of the earth And of the farthest seas, God is that hope. He's the one that deserves praise because of what he's done, not what we have done. And so we respond with thanksgiving because our God is worthy of praise and he has rescued you. He has answered prayer and he will continue to do these things that he has promised. Our God is on display in this psalm and it calls for a response. We respond with thanksgiving and praise. My second point for today is we respond with awe because God is the ultimate power. How can I sit here and just say that God is the ultimate power? Well, let's read through verse six and seven. Who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength? Who stilled the roaring seas and the roaring of their waves and the turmoil of the nations? The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. When morning dawns, when evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Have you ever witnessed either of these things in your life? Mountains or roaring seas? Even if you've not, it'd be easy for you to look them up on YouTube. What a roaring sea looks like or what a mountain looks like. God formed these by speaking. Now, I know we pride ourselves in many things. And sometimes that is what we've made right? Something that you've created? I would say because that's innate in us through our creator, we also enjoy created things. And maybe we are awestruck by those things. Is there anything that you've accomplished or created? And people were like, wow, that's amazing. A picture maybe you drew? Maybe you've built something. Maybe you did an amazing house renovation or something like that. And everyone's like, wow, that looks so good. Well, you see, When I was 17, I bought this truck. This one right here. It's an S10 Blazer. And my Blazer that I bought was uh, worked on by, like, this aircraft mechanic. I don't know if that even matters. But in his spare time, he, like, souped up trucks. So I had, like, a 305 V8 in this truck. And it was just amazing. I did some pretty cool things to it. I took some vice grips and i clinched off the back brakes yeah cuz as a 17 year old kid you do those kinds of things so that when you get to a stop sign you can just put your foot on the brake punch the gas and just like smoke show right i had so many cool things and then i remember just saving up all my money to get this amazing carburetor this high car- this high four barrel carburetor this aerobrock carburetor put it on I had like the chrome valve covers, the chrome cap that goes on top of your air purifier. (laughs) Slap shift. For me, that was like, whoa, amazing. Now my blazer doesn't even hold a glimpse of awe. That can fade pretty quickly. And in fact, I never even got that thing on the road. It doesn't even hold a glimpse to what God has done. He's the ultimate power. He is the one we should look to. Not these things in the world. Maybe it's not a blazer. Maybe it's something else for you that you look to in awe. Maybe a, a superhero. Maybe a, an actress, an actor. He created the mountains by speaking. The universe by but a breath. He spoke and there was light. Imagine how fast light is and he spoke and that happened. This should be a moment where we stand back in awe. We marvel at the Creator, not just creation. How are you responding in awe? How am I responding in awe? How am I responding? Am I sitting back and just looking at the mountains and being like, wow, that's so amazing? Or taking in a sunset? Or seeing the colors in the sky? And not just saying like, Wow, that's amazing, but I can't believe my God created that. And responding in awe. You know what that is, right? It's worship. When we can sit back and respond and look and see what our God has created, we are worshiping Him. We are saying, wow, Lord, look what you have done. Not, look what I have done. It's praise. Through this psalm, our God is on display. We respond with thanksgiving because he is worthy. We respond in awe because he is worthy. And lastly, my third point, we respond with worship because God is the abundant provider. So look to verse 9 to 13. You care for the land and you water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and they sing. The latter part of this psalm is filled with rejoicing and describes exactly how the Lord is providing for all their needs. There's one occupation in the world that is really risky. And maybe you're thinking like stock trader or someone who works in a dangerous environment. But actually, one of the hardest occupations is farming. And I was just at lunch at McDonald's and was actually talking to an older fellow. And he didn't know I wrote this in my sermon, but he's like, you know what? Farming is one of the riskiest things you can do. And I'm going to explain why. Each year you plow the field and you turn over the old crop. Then you go over it and you cultivate it. And you make sure the ground is nice and even and the clumps are gone. Then you go over it and you plant. Then you go over it and you fertilize. Then you go over it and you spray. And then you spray. And then you spray. And then you spray. And then, okay, they spray a lot. But that's so much time. You're going over a field like 10 times. And you're spending hours and hours away from your family in a tractor. And what do you do at the end? You wait. And you wait. You wait for the weather, which is pretty unpredictable. Even our best meteorologists seem to be wrong about 98% of the time. And I really don't understand how they still have jobs, really. Like, they're giving out awards, like, Hey, congratulations. You were only wrong 95% of the time this year. Great job, Carl. You're doing great. You're doing great. I don't get it. I just don't. So I'd work on a dairy farm for about five years, and there were really only a few things on the agenda. There was chores, so milk and the cows and that, repairing equipment, and field work. And field work is not easy. But imagine doing all that work. And there are not being any crops, no corn, no soybean, no wheat, no barley, no potatoes, whatever it is. So this, at the end of the psalm, the psalmist is worshiping the Lord. He's not saying, Lord, I've done such an amazing job at plowing. That's why the fields are doing so well. No, he says, you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide people with grain, for so you have ordained it. God is the one in control. He is worthy of praise because he provides. Yes, we are instruments and the seeds need to be sown, but without the Lord, it's all for nothing. The Lord is allowing the rain. Are you rejoicing in what the Lord has provided? Are you standing up and acknowledging that it's not you, but ultimately that God is providing the bounty? Am I taking the time to sit down and remind myself, remind my family that all this, where I am, what I've accomplished, the family I have, the amazing children and wife I have, the opportunity to speak to you from God's word on Sunday morning, am I acknowledging that without the blessing of the Lord, I could only go so far, and I couldn't do any of this. We should all be praising, singing at the top of our lungs and worshiping him for his amazing provision. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. Verse 10. In the psalm, it refers to the actions of God in a way, in the way of you or your So in the psalm, it mentions God as you or your 19 times. Do you know how often I or me is written in this psalm? It's not. So only we, us, or our collectively. And when those are written by the psalmist, it speaks about praise. It speaks to God's saving. It speaks to provision. It always is about God to our vows will be fulfilled when we are overwhelmed by sin you forgave our transgressions we are filled with good things of your house scripture is filled time and time again with focus on god and what he has done and how he has rescued us how he provides this psalm is an amazing depiction of just that the last verses 9 to 13 are just a call to worship Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. Not once in there does it say me or I, I crown the year with my bounty and my carts overflow. No, no, no. You, your God, God, Jesus. Can you see it now? Can you see how God has provided for you and continues to provide for you? So now we come back to the place that I mentioned at the beginning of my message. Are we too focused on ourselves and what God can do for us that we've missed all that he's doing around us? If you're here and this is your posture and you've been focusing on all the bad going on around you and you're not focusing on the Lord, repent and switch your focus. If all you see is that one time in your life God didn't show up and so you think he didn't do anything and you're holding on to that, stop. Turn to him. Allow him to open your eyes and see the amazing blessings he's pouring out. God will not abandon you. God will not forsake you. When you and I shift our focus off ourselves and onto the Lord, my life and your life will represent exactly What the psalmist writes at the end, even though he's talking about the plants, they shout for joy and sing. You see that? They shout. Let today be the day that you shout for joy, that you sing the blessings of the Lord, that you take a stand and say, Look what God has done and proclaim it to the nations. Proclaim it to your neighbors. Proclaim it to your family and your friends. Give him what he's due. Praise, honor, worship. We respond with thanksgiving because God is worthy of praise. We respond with awe because God is the ultimate power. And we respond with worship because God is the abundant provider. Respond today, loved ones. Respond to your God and King. We have a moment right here to remind ourselves of what God has done. We have a moment right here to repent and get right with God at the communion table. So let's respond by coming to the table to worship and praise our God. Jesus says, come to me all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God wants nothing but the best for you. He wants you to come to Him now. All messed up and You don't have to get perfect. He is the one that can release your burdens. He is the one that carries it for you. His yoke is easy because he carries it. I want you right now to go and take a moment and search for some juice and maybe a cracker or some bread as I lead us in communion. You see, communion is not just this, like, religious ceremony. It's a time to reflect, to remember, to respond. To remember that Jesus, to remember Jesus and what He's done, that His body was broken for us, that His blood spilled out for us. And why? so we can be in a right relationship with God. Before we take communion, let's bow our heads and pray. Let's all just sit and reflect on what Jesus has done and really take this time and think throughout your entire life, where has God been at that time? Whether you're 10 years old or 90 or somewhere in between, take the time to thank the Lord for his forgiveness, for the hope peace that you found in him and for his provision. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you made a way for us. Even despite ourselves, Lord, you came down to rescue us. That you devised this plan from the beginning of time till now to send your Lord, to send Jesus, our Lord, to die as a perfect sacrifice for us. God, I pray now that we can just reflect on who you are, what you've done in our lives, and that we can stand in awe of your power, that we can praise you with thanksgiving, and that we can just worship you for all that you provide. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Matthew, it says that Jesus took the cup, or Jesus took the bread. I'll find it. So while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And after he had given thanks... He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take the cup and drink. Let's now prepare our hearts in response and worship the Lord.